Welcome to our Apostolic Mentoring Weekly Podcast, where powerfully anointed kingdom servants equip, impart, and help to position God's people for apostolic ministry. Our purpose is to establish the biblical apostolic pattern globally so that the army of God will be apostolic in word and deed, facilitating God's global harvest. Here's your host, Charles Robinette. Hey guys, welcome to The Conversation. This is Matt Woodward. I'm one of the pastors at Capital Community Church, and it's an honor to welcome you to the show today. If you're in the area, Fredericton, New Brunswick, I just want to say we'd be honored if you'd join us for one of our upcoming services. We'd love the chance to meet you. You can find all the information about our church at capitalcommunity.ca. We've been so incredibly excited to get today's episode out to you. I was privileged to sit down for a conversation with Charles Robinette recently, and unsurprisingly, it was apostolic, it was dynamic, it was full of wisdom, it was passionate. Brother Robinette is a veteran minister and missionary, having spent nearly 28 years alongside his wife, Stacy, overseas in various nations. In particular, they served as superintendent over the German-speaking nations, basing out of Vienna, Austria. Charles and Stacy, they are parents to two daughters, Aaliyah and Brianna, and they are currently appointed as international evangelists with the United Pentecostal Church International. Brother Robinette is a gifted voice to the church in this end time season, and he has this uncanny ability to stretch your faith to believe God for more. I have no doubt that you're going to be blessed as you listen today. In the episode, Brother Robinette shares about his book, Radically Apostolic, and what it means to him to be apostolic in the 21st century. He talks about how God is going to help the church to see billions of souls added to the kingdom, and he shares about some amazing open doors that he has been able to walk through recently. I know you're going to be stretched. I know you're going to be challenged. I really believe that you're going to be blessed today. And if you like what you hear, I encourage you to let somebody else know about this podcast, The Conversation. Share it with a friend. Maybe share the video. We would be so honored if you would do so. So thanks once again for tuning in to today's episode. I do pray that it's a blessing to you. And without further delay, enjoy the conversation. I want to say thanks so much for being with us today. I want to say thanks for joining the conversation. And it is a true honor to have a great friend to Capital Community Church and to the apostolic movement worldwide, Brother Charles Robinette. It's an honor to have you. Why don't you go ahead and greet our listeners today? Hey, I'm so humbled to be here. I feel so blessed uh, every time that I get to be here at CCC and to be a part of uh, all of the ministry things that are happening from this place all around the world is a super cool experience. And so I feel blessed. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. Absolutely. And we're partnering together on the podcast. And this weekend, we have a great revival weekend forthcoming. And Amen. By the time this is released, we, we will be celebrating what God has done. Um, I just found out this weekend that uh, the first time that you ever drank coffee or just Tim Horton's coffee. 
Was it was it coffee overall? It's it, coffee. Yeah. So it was here in Fredericton. Uh, it was, you it was guys with blessed us. my life. Yeah, changed my life. So, um, do you want to testify of that moment? <laughs> yes. You know, uh, it was quite an experience for me. Um, you know, my pastor, uh, uh, your father, Brother Woodward, um, you know, didn't feel like I could be fully apostolic without coffee and especially Tim Horton's coffee. Yeah. And so he took me to have my first double double. And, um, it was the most amazing experience because, you know, until that moment, all I saw was black and white in this world. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I took the drink and it was like these these neurons and things went off in my head and I saw brilliant reds and yellows and blues and my whole life changed. And, and then, then I started seeing people get the Holy ghost. You know, so. he, he is quite the spokesperson for Tim's <laughs> and uh, we even have a, a mild rift now. Cause I've kind of, I, I don't drink it as much anymore. I, I do stuff at home. And so he, he I think he's kind of partially disowned me. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm being honest, no, um, anyway, I, I felt like that was worth sharing. We, uh, yes. introduced you to coffee yes. and uh, all the coffee snobs that are listening are saying, and yep. it had to be Tim Hortons, yeah. but, but anyway, I, we think it's okay. Now I would, I would, I think if I don't at least tell the truth a little bit, um, you're, you're father will get upset at me later, but, um, this is a French vanilla, uh, coffee. And so, um, while I have begun drinking coffee, I think pastor likes to call it frou-frou coffee. Yes. And he mocks me pretty regularly. So. Well, well they, you know, Tim Hortons would call that a cappuccino. That is the farthest thing <laughs> from a cappuccino. I can tell you that, but uh, nonetheless, we, we digress here. Um, why don't you take a moment, give us a brief life update. The yes, last sir. time we had the chance to be uh, in an interview together, it was a traffic talk interview. Yes, sir. You were still in Vienna, Austria. That's right. Uh, you have since transitioned out of the mission field and you're in North America. Tell us a little bit about what yes, uh, is going on with your family. Well, we spent uh, 28 years in Germany, Austria, Liechtenstein, Switzerland, uh, Belgium, a um, little portion of that in France, um, but we spent a long time overseas. Um, it's not uh, so much of a a ministry transition as much as it, as it is kind of a um, a geographical transition. Uh, for about ten years, we have always held this appointment as international evangelists evangelist underneath uh, Global Missions, mm -hmm. uh, but we have not been doing it full time. So we've been spending, you know, half of our time or probably less than that in the German speaking nations and then half around the globe doing crusades and evangelism in North America and other places. But, um, in August of last year, we, we finally made the decision. Um, I resigned as a superintendent, resigned as the Bible school president and, and made the agreement with global missions to transition back to North America and begin full time, um, international evangelist mm -hmm. really focused on doing crusades all around the world, preparing for billions of souls. Yeah. And so, um, we've made this geographical shift from Europe, 
uh, to North America, uh, to be very transparent. Nobody stopped crying yet. (laughs) All of my girls, even myself, if I would be honest, um, you know, you can't spend 28 years of your life and, and love the people the way that we love the people and not still mourn Mm -hmm. the, the transition, even though God is in it, you mourn those type of moments. And so, um, I could almost cry right now, just saying that out loud. I can't believe I said that out loud. Um, but I, um, you know, we we're still kind of in the mourning process. It's, um, it's a big deal. Uh, but in the midst of it, you know, the Lord has been so good. Um, my babies of course, are, are thriving in the kingdom. They're getting to be a part of so many great outpourings of the spirit and see so many tremendous apostolic moves and have that exposure opportunities that, you just, it's just so profitable to kingdom work. And so uh, we're very thankful for this transition, mourning it, but we're thankful. I mean, you're, you're American, um, yes. but the bulk, the majority of your life has been spent in Europe. Oh my so, goodness, yes. I mean, that I, I would imagine you consider yeah. that home. That is our home. In many ways. That so. is our home. My babies, um, you know, still refer to it as their home. Uh, the babies, they're 17 and 14, <laughs> <laughs> but they uh, still feel like that's their home. And, you know, they still uh, study the language. Aaliyah spends about an hour a day still studying German and wow. still keeping that fresh in her system. Um, Bree Bree's kind of shifted a little bit and has wanted to study Spanish. And so she's cool. doing a little bit of additional language study, uh, but I'm very proud of them. I'm proud of how they've um, conducted themselves in this transition and the way that they have pivoted towards the call of God and said, okay, this is what we're doing. We're going to do it with all our hearts. So proud of them. You know, uh, I think it was Brad Thompson, not on this podcast, but he, he said one time that, you know, his, his children being raised on the mission field, it almost made it so that the world was their oyster that, it, you know, it, it just, it Amazing. changes the perspective of, of a person when you grow up kind of outside of the North right. American cloistered context. Yeah. Um, would you say that's the same for your girls? Oh. Just, do you think that they'll end up, I mean, you never know, I, you know, the Lord yeah. will lead them, but, um, I think they call it, um, third culture kids, you know, where, uh, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think it's, it's a young person born somewhere else, mm-hmm. um, you know, who's, you know, associated with another, you know, country, but maybe connect. There's this, this massive shift in their mentality because they're, they're not really just a single culture, young person. And so their emotions, their thought process, their, the way they look at the world, their whole paradigm about the world, everything is, is just, um, don't polarized magnified it's it's enlarged it's increased it's it's just um a dramatic shift from what somebody who is born and raised in one location well just the fact that they're studying german and spanish and you know that's that speaks to that i think yeah um that's that's absolutely wonderful you know you transitioned away from something and uh to something or something you were already doing as you said but it's kind of grown in its capacity Um, but with that, you know, just a couple of days ago, you mentioned that there's still some question marks about where yeah. you will end up landing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I imagine there was some great confidence in the decision to transition, but yes, sir. still with, with elements of uncertainty. So yes, sir. just comment if you would, you know, how you, uh, your process of prayer and just waiting on God in this yes, season. Sir. And, and, uh, maybe you have some insight that you could yeah. share there. 
Well, it was in March of uh, of last year. We were. I was actually in the nation of the Congo, and we had this incredible open door uh, with uh, four Trinitarian organizations. And so we flew over there, uh, Brother Cahosi and I, yes. and, and Pastor Pablo flew over there together. Um, and fellow Canadians, for fellow those that Canadians, don't know. Fellow Canadians, <laughs> that's right. And so we went there together and ministered to these these groups but really um when i had arrived there i was carrying a pretty heavy burden i knew that the lord was speaking to us about an impending transition away from the german speaking nations which to be very transparent i never could have imagined. I thought we were going to be there the rest of our lives. And my babies felt like they would be there the rest of their lives. Uh, Europe has always been, um, oh my goodness, bro. Are you trying to make me cry on this crazy (laughs) podcast? What are we doing, bro? We can, we can edit, we can pause. Oh my gosh. Um, You know, we thought that we would be there. That was our calling. And still, I still believe that it is. There's the European region, the German-speaking nations is still a very um, powerful calling in our hearts and minds and spirits and emotions. Um, It has not lifted, but I think the Lord has, um, due to kingdom priorities has shifted our purpose little. So when I started feeling this, this certainty of a shift coming, obviously the first thing I did was call pastor Woodward. And I said, pastor, you know, every time that I've wanted to make a shift, you've said, no, (laughs) that's his favorite word. No. Um, but, uh, many times I'd come to pastor and felt like, you know, maybe this shift is ready. Maybe it's not. And pastor said, no, no, it's not the time. And I always, you know, we always submitted immediately and, and continued doing the work of the Lord. And, but this time was different when I called pastor and said, i can't explain it, but I, I feel this, this shift and, and Stacy, my wife feels this shift coming as well. It was immediately that pastor said, we need to get on a call together. And when we got on that call, um, you know, we, we all cried together. We prayed together. We talked it out together. We had no real direction, but we had the certainty of the call of God. And we had the certainty of the confirmation of our pastor. And even though all of the pieces didn't make sense and it didn't look good on paper and, and how are we going to make this transition? And what's, will it mean for the German speaking nations? What does it mean for my daughters, my family? Where are we going to live? You know, what do we make our church? You know, 28 years overseas, you know, we don't even have a home church. So where do you begin in that process? But even though all of those pieces were not yet put together, we had the certainty of the voice of God and the voice of our pastor. And really friend, that's all you need. need. Really? You, you, if you wait to get all of the pieces figured out before you do the will of God, Mm -hmm. you'll probably miss the will of God altogether. You only need the voice of God and the voice of your pastor. Yeah. I think that's, you know, the principle of you take the step, you know, to take and God can direct a step. But if we just stay still, then that's right. You know, he cannot. Um, Well, that's wonderful. We are glad to have you in North America and all that. But, uh, you know, the way that you you still get around, I'm sure you still frequent those, 
German speaking nations in Europe a fair amount? Uh, we haven't yet had the opportunity since we left the field, uh, but we are going back uh, in October. Okay. I'll be back there in October to do um, the fifth anniversary of a church that um, that we were a part of starting in Bonn, Germany, and then we'll be able to be there in uh, Geneva, Switzerland for a church we started as well. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So uh, in the past recent season, you have written a book, which I have a copy of it here. For those that are watching this podcast, you can see the cover here. So I wanted to give you the opportunity to just share a little bit about this book, how it came about. Yes, sir. You can do a shameless plug. That is absolutely <laughs> fine with us. You can go ahead. Tell us a little bit about Radically Apostolic. Well, to, to just tell the true story about Radically Apostolic, um, obviously we were you know neck deep in COVID in Berlin, Germany. So we were in Berlin, Germany almost two years. We originally went to Berlin on a three-month tour. We left Switzerland. We'd been taking care of the church for a few months in Switzerland. Um, the national pastor, great man of God, brother Samuel Aka came back, um, resumed control. He was taking care of his mom who was very ill. And so we had agreed we were going to go up to Northern Germany, spend three months encouraging all the pastors up in Northern Germany, and then go on to another part of the German speaking nations. Mm -hmm. And so we get up to Berlin and COVID just explodes, you know, it, it had already been going, but now it became, you know, full blown pandemic and Germany yeah. closed the borders, closed the airports, closed Airbnbs. You could not even book an Airbnb. They literally closed the Airbnb company wow. in Germany because they didn't want people traveling. They wanted everybody to stay put. So we thank the Lord were already in an Airbnb. And even though we weren't allowed to rebook another one, the guy that we had rented from was like, Oh my goodness, you know, Charles, please stay here. <laughs> you know, who else are we going to get? So, um, the Lord really blessed us. It was a, a very small apartment, but the Lord uh, allowed us to stay there throughout the whole pandemic. And, amazing this this couple tremendous friends the the landlords uh became our dear friends we spent christmas with them we uh, celebrated american holidays with them uh wow. they were russian and uh romanian uh but we had so much fun it was such a kingdom connection and just good good people so we got there got stuck there almost two years straight in Berlin, Germany, because of the pandemic. And it worked out amazing uh, because obviously the, the missionaries up there had to go home. So somebody had to be there to take care of the church, to minister to the people. And there were so many great things that happened in the whole process. But back to the book, I um, during that that uh, pandemic, uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, um, I'm going to, to use you to cast kingdom vision and to, um, to help raise up my army, to prepare my army, to accomplish my kingdom vision of reaching billions. Well, I started writing and to be fully transparent, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not I don't have a higher education. Uh, I probably shouldn't be writing books if it hadn't been for the Holy Ghost um, <laughs> helping me. And really, uh, great people, uh, people of God like Pastor Woodward and Pastor Aaron Soto and Pastor Joel Holmes that really helped to review this and mm -hmm. make sure that it was 
content ready and and going to be a kingdom blessing. So I start writing, but I didn't start writing this book. First book I wrote was a book um, that was called um, uh, What You Meant for Evil. And I began to write about suffering and pain and the, these things that happen in life that if you respond correctly to them, position you for great, um, moves of the spirit and, and humble you and keep you ready to be used of God. So I'm writing this book, but I'm reliving all of this hurt. I'm literally sitting at the table eight hours a day, weeping as I'm writing about, the things that I'd been going through. Well, at some point, my wife and Pastor Woodward had enough, and they were like, <laughs> so they collaborated and um, and connected and said, okay, enough writing about pain. We need to write about the kingdom. Let's let's write about the things that the Lord is doing and and what the Lord is going to do. And so, I shifted gears, started writing about revival, and six months later. Um, this, this book was finished. Wow. Yeah. And the funny thing about this book is there were about 120 additional pages in this book um, that Pastor Woodward and Pastor Aaron Soto and even Pastor Joel Holmes said, uh, you can't include these stories. Nobody can ever know this. <laughs> and so they... But you're going to reveal the, some yes. of the best ones today. So today, I wanted to share on this. No, uh, they really, um, they said this was very good for you to get it out of your system, but it would be terrible for the kingdom to ever know it. And so there, there was a lot of content that was pulled out of this book because it blessed me to get it out, but it wouldn't have blessed the kingdom to read. Would I be permitted to ask, not specific content, but like in what vein were those? Was it, was it just miracles? There were some and- stories that I told about, about things that happened to my wife and I overseas. I see. Attributing those experiences to how God did incredible works that, that in spite of this, the kingdom marched forward in spite of this, you know, hundreds, if not thousands were added to the church, but telling those stories revealed things that maybe just, um, I do understand what, where you're getting at there. Um, was maybe even some of those from the first book draft where some of those same to weave (laughs) into the tapestry of revival was a little bit of pain and, Pastor yeah. needed to get those out of the book. Yeah, no, I, I got you. Well, that's wonderful. Um, so. Is there one uh, key story from the book uh, or just a thought at, at the very least from the book that you would share that kind of encapsulates what it me- what the book means to you? Yeah. Well, you know, um, to me, the book is about being apostolic in word and deed. It's about not just doing what the apostles did, but seeing the promised greater works than these in these last days. It's about the church being positioned to and being full of faith to step into this unprecedented kingdom demonstration and power of the spirit that's going to produce that revelation seven and nine, where Mm -hmm. there's this multitude around the throne that nobody can number of every nation, every culture, every. And so that's what it's about. It's about everybody, me, you, our children, our, our, 
our family, the, the whole kingdom of God coming online and doing what God says to do in this hour without fear, without shame, without hesitation, but being apostolic in word and indeed with expectation of greater. Mm. So let's, let's take a moment. Let's define the terms a little bit. Um, you know, I don't know who may be listening to this. Uh, the word apostolic is very familiar to yourself, to myself, yep. to our context. To you, what does it mean to be apostolic in the 21st century? Yep. It, to me, it means following the apostles' doctrine wholeheartedly. Everything that the apostles preached, taught, everything that they conveyed doctrinally, we have got to possess it completely. Mm. No pivot, no no new ideas, but we possess the doctrine wholeheartedly and completely. But not just that, the practices, the the way that they they lived, believed, they they operated in word and deed. They didn't just talk about yeah. the truth. They lived the truth. They didn't just talk about miracles. They they facilitated the miraculous. They yeah. that's what it means to me is really adopting the identity of the early church. Yeah. Becoming the early church. Yeah. And then exceeding because greater works than these. That's if, the opportunity if we don't we exceed it we we've not achieved the will of God for this hour. Yeah. I mean, Jesus himself said greater works than these shall you do. Yeah. So the mindset of just being like the early church is would please the devil more than anything. Mm. If I get settled in my mind and say, man, if I could just be like the apostles, I have the devil's going to throw a party because I have already undercut my kingdom promise, kingdom mm. ability, and his kingdom vision in this hour. So I've got to let my mind be expanded and say, if they could do that, mm-hmm. now we're going to multiply it and it's going to look like this. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to me that, you know, I talk about it in, in this book um, for a shameless plug. Um I talk about that power of the prophetic word, declaring that which is not as if it already is, speaking things, kingdom things, kingdom vision, declaring it, getting seeding the atmosphere with the word of faith. You know, it's so important to me. Um, I do this every day. Uh, every single day that I get up, I, I, I walk through the evangelist quarters, walk through the Airbnb. I I'm prophetically declaring, I prophesy miracles in this city right now. I prophesy demonstration and power. I prophesy that there's going to be a harvest that no man can number. I prophesy churches and ministers. And so I'm speaking those things. I'm speaking greater. I prophesy greater works than these shall New Brunswick see. I prophesy it. So I'm, I think it's very important that we, we, we don't just idolize and envision a day of the apostles results in our hour. We've got to not just see it. We've got to articulate it and we've got to do it. And, um, and so that's, that's the passion behind this book. Really, That's that's amazing. I want to come back in a few moments to, uh, you know, you speak often about billions of souls being added to the kingdom before, before this winds up. Yeah. Um, so we'll come back to that before we get there. The last time that I interviewed you, one of the last things you said, um, you know, I asked for a word of wisdom for the younger generation. You said exposure. That was the word that you came to. Mm -hmm. Um, And the importance of exposure to apostolic ministry giftings. Yes, sir. Um, 
So I want to ask you, what are some of those kingdom exposures in your life? I will say in that interview, you referenced uh, Billy Cole a lot. So perhaps he might be one. If there's others, you can certainly name them and talk about them. But what are some of those key exposures for you that, uh, you know, propelled you in your walk with God and in your ministry, et cetera. Yeah. Obviously my early pastor, um, brother Will, uh, William Nix, you know, brother Nix, uh, was not necessarily this, this powerful demonstrative type of leader who operated in all this you know, gifting and saw all of these incredible, you know, kingdom results globally. It wasn't like that, but Brother Nix's specialty was he believed in building people of God. Mm -hmm. And so he was not afraid to bring in all of these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and expose the body of Christ in his local area to these kingdom voices and kingdom giftings. And so he facilitated exposure to uh, Lee Stone King, Billy Cole, Dennis Lewis, um, R.L. Mitchell back in the day, Sister Vesta Mangan. Yep. I mean, I could go down the list, but these were the staples of who showed up in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, this little town, 60 to 80,000 people in Michigan. And Brother Nix was bringing in these people that were going to seed the atmosphere and seed the body of Christ with kingdom um, uh, vision and kingdom gifting and kingdom offices. And so intentionally, my pastor created exposure opportunities because it never crossed his mind, what if they leave? In his mind, he always thought if I can, if I can expose them to kingdom ministry and kingdom gifting and they're called of God and they go around the world, it's the greatest thing that could happen to the church. So he never felt threatened by the potential of somebody growing in their gifting and growing in kingdom offices and being called beyond the local church. So the, if, if I owe owe credit to anybody, it's my local pastor, um, brother William Nix, that wasn't afraid to expose the body to apostolic ministry. After that, the Lord put in our life, Billy Cole. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the Lord brought alongside of us, Brother Lee Stone King for a season. And then, then after that, really, um, when Brother Cole passed away in 2009, um, it was miraculous how the the Lord put your father in our life. Was Billy Cole your pastor for a season or was it he, Bill Nix? And- it was Bill Nix. And then Brother Nix went through some health issues that were very extreme. And he transitioned out of ministry, moved down to Texas. And when that happened, um, he was not able to really be a voice in our life. And Brother Cole was already very... Cl- connected to us and close to us. So he became that pastoral voice until his passing. Um, And then in 2009, when he passed away, my wife and I were going through some very challenging times. Your dad was on the global missions board at the time. And we um, really didn't have a pastor and we never asked him to be our pastor. It was the most natural God gifted kingdom 
gift <laughs> that I could ever tell you. I remember being at a general conference and we were falling apart, to be honest with you, um, Brother Matt. We were we were literally falling apart. We were hurt deeply. We were broken. We didn't know what our future was going to be. I was about to take a church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, just to get away from the pain and the, the things we were enduring. And I was crying every day. I couldn't I couldn't process the pain we were going through. And um, your dad and mom uh, said, let's take a walk. And I'll never forget um, taking a walk with your dad and mom around. We must have walked that city forever. I, I don't know. I would hate to say how long it was, but I, we didn't even go to a restaurant. We just walked the city. And your dad was just there and your mom was just there and they embraced us and prayed for us and loved us and helped us and, and helped. We couldn't steer our own ship at that moment because the pain was so great. And so they just took over the rudder for, um, mm. naturally it wasn't even, nobody asked them to, they just said, Hey, we got this. Y'all oh. just y'all just are going to be all right. And they started helping to navigate our ship through these treacherous, painful waters. Um, and it wasn't easy. I don't think that I even made it clear to your dad that he was our pastoral voice until 2020. Wow. So for 11 years, uh, yeah, 11 years, they, they have just been there with no certainty of how much they meant to us. But, you know, your father is one of the most apostolic people I know. I mean, he is the, if there was ever a, a real apostolic office of the teacher, your father, I told you about this the other day. And I'll just mention it on a podcast because I think it was so amazing. And if I'm getting off track, you just tell me, stop talking. Um, and I'm good to go. You're doing, this is great. This is great. Woodward's have been telling me to stop talking for years. So you can just... Uh, <laughs> well, not this one today. This, this is great. <laughs> but I remember um, your, uh, your dad came to uh, Vienna, Austria. Oh, I want to say it might have been 2015. And we had this big regional meeting in my church, um, the church I pastored in Vienna. And your dad uh, was was preaching the most ridiculous message. I mean, <laughs> really. I mean, how are you going to tell pastors, missionaries, evangelists, an entire region of people who know and believe in one God? How are you going to preach one God to those guys? I mean, could you not preach something else? You know, and so Brother Woodward gets up and starts preaching about the oneness of God. And I I can't even explain to you the atmosphere. I feel it even now. I can still feel that moment of revelation. It was like I had never heard the oneness of God before in my life. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, this apostolic teacher who operates in such power and authority begins to articulate the kingdom in that room. And there were men and women laying all over the floor as Pastor Woodward 
preached about the oneness of God. I was standing on the platform trembling and could not stop speaking in other tongues. Wow. Most revelatory message on the oneness. If I didn't believe it before, then I believed it for sure after <laughs> that. Uh, but um, it was so amazing, and and that's the you know his gifting is so unique and so powerful and such. When I look at the people that God has allowed to help to steer me and guide me and protect me, you know I I look at. You know, brother Will, Will Nix was uh, William Nix was this pastor mentality. Then you had this, you know, this hybrid apostle prophet of Billy Cole and this yeah. and this evangelist of Lee Stone King. And then God aligns us with this amazing. I mean, I've just about covered all the bases, you know, <laughs> in the fivefold ministry. Maybe. God needed to use all of them because I was such a mess. So he just, well, you're the evangelist. So you flesh it out, right? You get the fivefold, you know, um, I'll brag on my dad. He, he, uh, certainly is a minister to the ministry. I've observed that over the years, whether it's somebody that's fallen away or gotten sideways, you know, people wouldn't see that or know that, but the, the phone calls, the meetings with people just to try to help. Um, and it sounds like you were the beneficiary of that as well. And so. interestingly, I know that there are hundreds of people that depend on your dad and he speaks to, um, but I'm his favorite. And, <laughs> of um, course. Of course. <laughs> no, but I think what I was going to really say that just came out, but, um, <laughs> what I was going to say was, you know, it's interesting to me, your dad is, Every person that has that experience with your dad feels like he is not simply just going through the motions, Mm -hmm. but he literally, genuinely cares, listens, and counsels from a godly biblical perspective. And um, I can't tell you how many times, you know, he, he allows me to just let it all loose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he puts band-aids on all the wounds and he's like, okay, now that you've had your say, let's talk about the Bible, you know? <laughs> and so, um, he's a valuable kingdom, kingdom asset. Well, valuable. That, that, uh, means a lot to me. He's my dad, of course. And, uh, I'm sure it will mean a lot to him. Yeah. Um, you I know, hope so a- absolutely. <laughs> You know, you mentioned him teaching on the oneness of God yeah. in, in Austria, you said? In Austria, Vienna. Yes, sir. Uh, so, he just referenced this story in a midweek Bible study a few weeks ago. He talked about when he preached at general conference, I believe the the name of the, the title of the message was the name of Jesus. Yes, sir. Uh, on the oneness of God uh, in many respects. Again, he, he talked about how during the altar call, he got uh, you and also brother Nathan Herod to come and join him I on the platform. That. And he said that, uh, the the sides will probably I'll probably get them wrong, but you know you were on the right side and Brother Herod was on the left side, and you he got you to extend your hands over the crowd. I remember that. And he said just just the way that you and Brother Herod are gifted, uh, not exclusively different, but kind of it, there's an emphasis in different giftings. Sure. Almost everybody that received a healing, I think he said that was on Brother Herod's side, and sure. everyone that received the Holy Ghost almost was on your side. Which leads me to a question, you know, um, you, you talk about sometimes about 
speaking, th- praying through all the gifts of the Spirit, which is not an exhaustive list, but you claim them, you speak them over yourself. I want, I'm going to operate in this today. Um, but it does seem like you have specific giftings at, at the same time. So talk about uh, whether it's seeing people receive the Holy Ghost or if it is seeing people receive miracles, how have those gifts cultivated um, to where obviously now there's such a confidence that you operate in? Yes, sir. Uh, I don't know if you would comment on that. Well, yes, sir. Um, you know, obviously the more experience you have and the more you see, you know, facilitates a greater faith for greater things, which is so important why even last night when I was preaching, you know, you got to do something. If you want to see something, you have to do something. You've got to get out on a limb. You've got to try. You've got to stretch. So there's an initial uh, hump that you got to get over. There is. Fear. Brother, well, Brother Cole told me, he said, you know, you're not going to get to just go from zero to a hundred thousand, getting the Holy Ghost overnight. You have to, there's a stair step of faith where your confidence begins to grow in God and in yourself. And I know that sounds bad, but you have to know who you are in the kingdom. If you don't know who you are and you're not confident in who you are in God's kingdom, you're going to be this scattered, getting lucky type of minister where sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But when you know who you are in the kingdom and you know how how God has has gifted you, anointed you, called you, empowered you, and then you know his promises cannot fail, you're going to always feel like every service is going to be demonstrative, powerful. And so you go into it with expectation. You go into it speaking that which is not as if it already is. And so, yes... I remember when we first saw two get the Holy Ghost in a service. Yeah. I remember those days. I remember when we saw our first five get the Holy Ghost. I remember the service where 110 got the Holy Ghost in one service in North America. I remember when I saw my first 3,000 get the Holy Ghost. Mm. I remember when I saw that 110,000 get the Holy Ghost in Ethiopia. Um, I remember each of these significant. I remember when 5,000, I remember when 7,000 got the Holy Ghost. I remember these key moments, but they were all um, strategic kingdom elevation moments where faith was elevated and confidence was elevated and, and the kingdom elevated inside of you and through you. And then everywhere from there, you expected it's going to happen. Yeah. You know? So, so tell me about the specific the niches of, of various giftings. Do you feel like there's something to that where, mm-hmm. where brother Herod, for example, uh, seems to see miracles and, and you see people getting the Holy ghost. Is there a reason for that? Is it that God puts his hand on different people differently? Well, or- I think that, I think yes and no. I think there, um, certainly there are, there are those, and there are times where God, specifically and uniquely gifts somebody to accomplish a kingdom purpose. Mm -hmm. And then I believe that um, uh, just for instance, let's, let's just take me for instance. Okay. Um, Historically I have operated pretty exclusively in the gift of faith. Okay. Now the uniqueness about the gift of faith is that 
because of the fact that it is the gift of faith and all of the gifts operate through faith. When I'm in a service where miracles need to happen, the gift of faith facilitates the gifts of healing and the working of miracles. Yeah. And so um, I have not always historically pivoted that direction because I historically got in this comfort zone where the gift of faith, I know this, I can do this. This is my, this is my niche. I can, I can, I can do this. I've seen this. Brother Herod, he, he, you know, initially in his ministry operated in the gifts of healing and the working of miracles and exclusively began to see that in great number that became his niche that became what he was comfortable in. It became what he was used to. And so sometimes, um, because your it, even great gifting becomes a comfort zone, which is a danger. Yeah. You just stay in that vein and you don't move too much out of it unless the moment demands it. And that's a terrible thing to happen. And I don't think I realized that until about a decade ago, maybe about a decade ago, I started to realize that I was becoming so comfortable in that gifting that I, I made, I wasn't being as sensitive to the moment and what God was doing in the kingdom in the moment. I was just facilitating the operation of that gifting because I knew how, and I wasn't afraid to do that one. So you may be uh, a harvester by, by nature or by gifting, but don't put yourself in the box of only ever being that you shouldn't. And you know, interesting, uh, I just tell you something. I certainly don't want to um, mess up your viewers or anything like that, but I remember Many years ago, um, maybe about a decade ago, I think this is when the transition really started shifting. I was in Columbus, Ohio. Brother Stark felt like I needed to show up and be there for a prayer meeting. So I come into their church. He puts a chair in the middle of the room and he said, Brother Robinette, I just want you to sit here. My men are going to pray. And when we feel a prophetic word or um, is something the Lord said to say to you, we're going to say it. And so um, now Brother Stark operates, uh, obviously, in a lot of the vocal gifts. Um, The men that work, you know, some things are caught and not taught. You know, there's a proximity anointing. And so his men in his church, because they are so close to him, Obviously, there's a residue of that anointing that's flowed onto them. And there's a lot of seers in that church. It's quite um, unprecedented. I don't know that I've been to any church that operates in such um, just consistency, um, seeing things and speaking things and the vocal gifts of the Spirit and discerning things. Mm. It's a very powerful church. And so... I'm sitting in this room uncomfortably and they're all praying and multiple came and spoke to me, but there was one man that came, got on his knees, grabbed my shoes and said, the Lord said to tell you that, uh, from this day forward, the angel of harvest, the angel of deliverance and the angel for, for war, uh, are going to travel with you everywhere you go. And as you set your foot down in every nation, they will break the back of the enemy, release deliverance, and release harvest. Well, um, interestingly, as I left that meeting, everywhere I was going, 
people would come to me after service and said, we saw three angels standing by you while you were preaching. We could see angels. And that has not stopped. Even when I preached attack recently, I can't tell you how many pastors came to me afterwards and said, brother Robinette, we saw three angels, uh, a fourth angel. And anyhow, uh, after that, about a few years after that, I was in uh, Arkansas at a conference and three pastors came to me and said, the Lord said, you've had three angels up until now, but in this season, God is attaching an angel for miracles to you. Mm. He said, you have a new attachment and you will see double miracles than you've ever seen. Holy ghost. Wow. That was about seven years ago. Since then, every single year we've had double miracles instead, whatever number Holy ghost we've documented, there've always been double miracles. Amazing. It has been amazing. Now, I don't know all the scripture for that. I'm not even trying to say there is. I'm simply saying this is what those men said, and this was the results thereof. So I think the moment, the season sometimes demands us to shift out of our comfort zone, even if our comfort zone is great. Mm. Even if you're doing great things in the kingdom, even if you're a church planter and you're killing it and you're raising up churches everywhere, sometimes even that can be a comfort zone that prevents you from accomplishing kingdom things right now. Could it be that the Lord's trying to stretch you, but you've gotten so good at what you're doing Mm. that you refuse to be stretched even... that's the thing that I I've been praying of late is God don't let me get comfortable in the greatness of your callings. Mm. Stretch me beyond my comfort zone. Stretch me out onto limbs that, that scare me to death and let me do things for the kingdom that I've never done before. Obviously I could be content, you know, in the gift of faith and in harvesting and, and yes, would we do good things in the kingdom? Yes. But would we really do great things if we're not allowing God to stretch us even further? Mm. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're preaching right now, so that's, I feel like that's a word maybe for somebody that's listening. Obviously that speaks to the importance of walking with God every day and letting him lead you in those things. Yes. Um, uh, I do want to get back to um, billions of souls. Um, when you say that, you know, I, I imagine some people have a reaction of like that seems incomprehensible, uh, unattainable, but it does, it it just, I don't know, it does something to our faith and it yeah. challenges us to believe God for greater. Um, I, I know last night you shared a vision and if you want to share an abbreviated version, you certainly can. Um where the Lord kind of revealed this to you and you've just been, uh, I guess a mouthpiece of heaven for what God desires to do in the end times. Um, I guess maybe start with the vision. We'll just kind of flow in this conversation for a bit. Um, excuse me. No problem. It's that French vanilla. It's It's not, it's not real coffee. (laughs) All that sugar and cream. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, I, I, was at the um the this conference down in Catoosa, Oklahoma, um, Spirit of Antioch Conference. And I was there 
getting ready to take the pulpit. I mean, they were literally um, wrapping up the last song. They'd already done the introduction. I mean, I was just supposed to go straight to the platform and I uh, had this vision um, just to abbreviate it. I saw the heavens. I saw multitudes of angels. Uh, couldn't see the end of the crowd. Um, ultimately, the Lord brought this revelation to me that it was not just angels, but it was believers. It was this partnership of faith. It was the heavenlies and the and God's people working together to accomplish this revelation seven and nine yeah. message. And so God showed me how he was arming his people in these last days and putting weapons in their hands and preparing them to go forth for one massive global harvest that was going to wrap up this show. And yeah. so it was such a, a powerful revelation of this, what the end time was going to look like and how there would be this beautiful partnership of faith between us and the heavens mm. that was going to, we were not going to do this by ourselves. And, and that's why we could go ahead and let our faith begin to stretch because this is not a you thing. It's a kingdom thing. And so right. the kingdom's going to come alongside of you and make up for your deficiencies. And, and we're going to link arms with the heavenlies and do something that could not be done in the flesh. It's going to only be done in the spirit. And so I saw this massive victory getting ready to happen. The arming of God's people, the partnership of faith, the alignment of kingdom offices and kingdom gifting for a final outpouring mm. of the spirit where the whole earth just catches on fire. Mm. And so I have no illusion uh, or delusion, which some people think I have, um, that everybody's going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I mean, obviously, people are going to have to make that decision for themselves. But I believe the kingdom vision is it's not his will that any should perish. Right, right. So if God's vision is, I don't want anybody lost, mm. our vision should be we don't want anybody lost so either. Good. So good. So we should not take a step back and get in this comfort zone and say, well, you know, straight is the gate, narrows the way, and there's going to be a falling away. So we're just going to kind of sit back and watch it all play out. That is a foolish enemy contrived way of thinking in right. these last days. Right. It's to get the church on its heels, to get us relaxed. God's vision is a global harvest that there would be an outpouring of the spirit where, I mean, the whole earth is ablaze. That's God's will. Mm. Now, God is not going to make anybody be saved. You can't make anybody be saved, but buddy, we better believe preach and act like we believe God is going to save Amen. everybody. Well, and as the, as the culture and society, and as, as, as that gets darker and more godless, yes. I think it's only going to allow the church yes. the truth to shine. And I, I mean, it, it, you see how the stage is set for end times and all that. We're not going to get into eschatology today, <laughs> but, but I believe that I believe yeah. that we're going to see it. Well, um, I would ask, Anybody that does not believe we can reach billions to just look at Revelation 7 and 9. Yeah. Dear goodness, an innumerable, you can't count it. You can't, whatever's going to be standing before that throne uh, that's been washed in the blood of the lamb. Mm -hmm. 
if it's innumerable and I'm only talking about billions, I better get my game face on <laughs> because, because obviously there's going to be a greater harvest than we can imagine. And I think we should begin to plan for it and believe God for it and act like we believe God can do it. Yeah. If they don't get the Holy Ghost, if they don't get baptized, that's on them. But if God's vision is nobody perishing, I'm going to work real hard to make sure that vision comes to pass. I'm going to do everything mm. in my power to facilitate stadiums and teams and revival and yeah. kingdom thinking and kingdom gifting and kingdom offices and kingdom training and equipping to ensure that the army of God comes online to facilitate God's vision and yes. God's ultimate revelation of Revelation 7 and 9. Well, you know, thank you for using your voice. I think you're stretching our faith, you know, and I think that's one of a role that you play in this season. And, and I'm grateful. It stretches my faith. And to emphasize something you just said, I think it is true that sometimes we hide behind yes, even scripture, like, you yes, know, uh, the, the narrow way straight is the yeah. gate to just pacify ourselves yes, in the results that we're seeing. Yes, sir. But God wants us to expect yeah. to see greater results. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I think kind of uh, moving in this a little bit further, uh, you know, I, I really believe that we're going to see stream, different streams of revival. Yes, sir. There certainly is the unbeliever, the unchurched. Yes, sir. Um, I also believe that we're going to see a a, a a harvest of prodigals. I believe that a a harvest of the religious. You know, I the that. the those that have uh, false doctrine. Um, I wonder if there would be any stories or, or just for you to speak in the in that vein of those streams of revival. Um, I'm sure that you've seen yeah. Trinitarians and whatever the congregations, yeah. perhaps, and maybe you'd want to testify of some of that for a moment. And I'm I'm probably um, I might even share some of this on on Sunday, but it, this uh, won't be released before Sunday. So <laughs> <laughs> um, we just had two, three, four amazing things happen that reveal to me how quickly God can turn this thing around and provide kingdom access to his people that are preaching the fullness of the truth. I was um, in Maine recently yep. at a Pray for America conference, and uh, there's all of these denominations present, all of these denomination leaders present, and uh, the a president of the Christian coalition of America was there. Yes. And, um, you know, I'm like the token Pentecostal going to get to say some <laughs> words at the end. And so, um, this president of the Christian coalition, a Baptist pastor, um, gets up in the pulpit and makes this statement. He said, um, he said, we've tried tradition and our churches are failing. We've tried religion and our churches are not growing. He said, we've tried to align with the world and it's not helping us either. He said, I have begun to pray that there would be a fresh day of Pentecost all over the world. Wow. Wow. When he said that, I lost my mind. 
I'm on the front row losing my mind. I'm like grabbing onto these denominational <laughs> pastors and I'm like, did he say that? Did you, did I just imagine? What did he say? What did, you know, I'm like screaming, I'm yelling, I'm just being, you know, out of control. I run to the edge of the platform, wrap my arms around this president of the Christian coalition. And I said, please tell me you weren't pandering to the crowd. Please tell me you meant what you said. Mm. And he just begins to just overwhelmed with emotion. He said, Brother Robinette, if we don't have a day of Pentecost, we have nothing. Yes. He said, I don't know if you realize this. He said, but we Baptists had the Holy Ghost before you guys. Uh. He said, you apostolics point to Azusa Street. He said, I can preach to, he said, I can point to Switzerland. He said, back in the days of the Anabaptists who were getting the revelation of the truth from a Michael Servetus from Spain who was burned at the stake in Geneva, Switzerland for, for a praying in tongues and believing in the name of Jesus. He said, those Anabaptists traveled up to, to Great Britain, got on boats, came across to the East coast. He said, he said, and they hit the shores tongue talking. He said, we pivot away from it and got further away from it as we pursued religion instead of truth. He said, I'm praying for a restoration Mm. of what we had first. And um, so I think there's this rise up, there's this burning fire, getting a hold of these Baptists, Catholics, Presbyterians, Lutherans. They're realizing if they don't have a move of the spirit, they have nothing and they're looking for it. They're hungry for it. And, you know, I I went from that meeting to getting invited uh, to preach. uh, Well, actually that's not accurate. Exactly. I was invited to the East coast to Boston to be on a television program to be interviewed about this book. And Mm -hmm. so uh, it's a Baptist network that covers the East coast. And I, I show up to do this book interview and the whole studio is falling apart while I'm just talking about the book. And at the end of the live interview, they close the cameras down, switch pan over to somebody who's talking for a few minutes. The studio chief comes walking out, a Baptist pastor, and he says, Brother Robinette, I know you weren't prepared for this, but can you be willing to preach today? If we push everything back one hour, would you preach the gospel to us? They bring a a pulpit in there. Uh, I start preaching. You must be born again. While I'm preaching, the studio chief comes out of the sound room, throws his hands in the air and starts speaking in tongues. I look back at the entire tech room. They're falling out of their chairs, weeping, speaking in tongues. The studio is falling apart. Guest pastors and wives that came just to see a live interview hit the ground, speaking in tongues. It was amazing. I mean, I told them there's only one God. His name is Jesus. I told them you got to be baptized in his name or you just got wet, but we can fix that problem today. I told them they had to be filled with the spirit, speaking with other tongues. I mean, I went down the list. I told them you got to have holiness. I preached for an hour to these precious people and buddy, I felt like it might be my last time. So I was going to (laughs) cover everything. And so I hit it all, but out of that has come so many doors in the Baptist community. Mm. From there, I got this invitation to go uh, 
to KKLA 99.5. Yeah. The one of the largest Christian California, right? California yeah. Los Angeles networks. They said, we want to interview you about your book for two hours. Would you come fly over here and do this? Wow. I fly over and do this interview on KKLA and the spirit hits the studio and we're taking calls and people are getting the Holy Ghost on the phone. And afterwards, I get a phone call from the Baptist chaplain who covers all of the correctional facilities in Los Angeles. And he says, Brother Robinette, we have all of these Christian clubs in our prison, and we want to make your book our Christian club material for all prisons. Would you be okay with that? That's amazing. So how are we going to get this done? Oh, it's going to happen so easy. It's going to be a multi-organizational explosion of truth. Wow. We're not going their direction. They're coming ours. They are so hungry for the revelation. We're not going to have to compromise the message. We're not going to have to compromise kingdom identity. We're not compromising holiness. There's not a chance in this hour that that's going to happen. But there's going to be this resurrection of of, of Holy Ghost seed. truth, uh, just doctrine that was in them in the beginning, but they pivot away from due to whatever in this world, the cares of this life, the pursuit of, of the favor of men over the favor of God, but they're turning. I just, just, I can't say who right now. Um, Your dad knows who we had to talk about it yesterday, but I was just on an airplane with a very prominent man, very prominent television evangelist spent two flights talking to this man about the outpouring of the Holy ghost, weeping together, praying together gives me his phone number, email. We're talking back and forth. We're texting back and forth. He is so desperate to be a part of something like this. Yeah. I told him, I said, buddy, I said, this is no just random thing that you and I sit next to each other on two planes going to two foreign countries. I said, this is a divine intervention. I said, you have access to places in this world that the truth must go. Mm. And God puts you next to me to make sure you have the fullness of the truth to carry it there. Yeah. And so I believe God... And we shouldn't be afraid of this. God is going to align us with some people that don't look like us, don't sound like us, not so we can change, but because he's going to change them to carry the gospel to billions. You know, you said yesterday, uh, everybody's receiving the Holy Ghost. All denominations are seeing people feel the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And perhaps one of the, the last great, revelations and the pieces, if you will, of the puzzle is baptism in Jesus name. That's it. And, mm-hmm. and, and that, that is beginning to shift. Yes, sir. Um, and, and sound, you know, you're seeing that happen. Um, you know, you, you just said something, uh, exactly what you said. I, I can't remember the words, but you know, we can't be offended or we, we, we have to be ready for this yes. as the church. Yes. Um, and I mentioned this to you and this is not about me recently, Felt the Lord uh, direct me to preach about, you know, to the church. Are we ready for revival? Talked about the elder brother, talked about wow. the first hour labor, talked wow. about Simon the leper, you know, getting upset yeah. about a sinner coming close to Jesus. Um, 
you know, as the church, what do we, what would you say we need to do just to be ready for what God yeah. desires to do? Yeah. Well, something that's really heavy in my spirit is that historically, and I, I mean this in not a way in criticism, but just revelation, we, the church, have operated with this world and with other denominations from a position of fear and not faith. And this is what I have been concerned with is we think about these people and we think, oh my goodness, what if they mess us up? Mm -hmm. What if somebody thinks we're going that direction? So we avoid these interactions with other denominations, other ministers of other affiliation, because what if they tarnish us? Right, right. And so we approach it from a position of fear not a position of faith, and we miss and squander mm. and destroy so many kingdom opportunities in our cities because we're afraid of the what if. We're thinking from a failure perspective instead of a faith perspective. Right. We're thinking of a damage perspective instead of an increase perspective. And I think God is bringing a, a kingdom shift into our minds and emotions. Listen, friend, we've got the truth. Yeah, There is no worry, concern about the church messing anything up in the last hour. Mm. We're going to be brilliant. We're going to, and by brilliant, I mean, we're going to shine with his glory. Yes. We're going to be the greatest thing going. We're going to have the miracles. We're going to have the truth. We're going to be baptizing in Jesus name. We're going to have holiness. We're going to have the Holy ghost We're we're going to have it all. And these organizations like the president of the Christian coalition are going to start just clamoring for something real. And they're going to be looking for the most brilliant shining light in this ever darkening world. And we cannot look at these moments from a position of fear. We cannot say, well, goodness, what will somebody say if I go preach you must be born again on a Baptist TV station. Mm. We can't say, well, I can't go to KKLA because what if somebody thinks I'm becoming charismatic because I'm praying people through to the Holy Ghost on the radio? Yes, yes. What if God opened those doors? Right, right. What if God is trying to create a kingdom opportunity for you? to carry the gospel to them so that we could actually see Revelation 79 come to pass. Mm. Listen, somebody's going to see billions. Yeah. Somebody's going to do miracles. Somebody's going to see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in whole cities. Mm. You can either do it or get out of the way. Somebody's going to do it. And this is the, the problem. When you look at the sons of the prophets, Yes. Always drives me crazy. These jokers knew <laughs> what was going to happen, when it was going to happen, even pretty much how it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And yet when it happened, a farmer was there instead. Yeah. Wow. How crazy is that? Mm. And sometimes if we're not careful, the church in its current state operates and acts like the sons of the prophet. Mm. Man, we've been preaching it. He's coming. We've been preaching. The harvest is coming. We've been preaching. Revival's coming. We've been preaching. The coming of the Lord is fast upon us, but we're standing on a hill watching somebody else get the goods. Mm. Wow. God forbid. Mm. God forbid. 
Not in this hour. Not me. Not my babies. Not it cannot be that way. Not this church. Not this glorious church. Yeah. And so my passion is that we don't just talk about it. We don't just look from afar and wait to see if it happens the way we think it's going to happen. But we just get in the mix. Get in the middle of it. Get in the middle of it. Just do something. Mm. Just don't hesitate in this hour. I I remember one of the worst tragedies. You know, we many years ago, many moons ago, I won't even say the nation. I don't want to create any chaos. Um, I just want to love people. <laughs> um, um, and, you know, we had this incredible opportunity. And it was with 2,000 Trinitarian churches in one nation. Mm. And we got invited. This bishop of this organization flew to Munich got the Holy Ghost, got baptized in Jesus' name, and then wanted believers to come to his nation and preach to his organization and tell them, help him make this truth shift. And we ran into fear instead of faith. And everybody was like, well, what's going to happen? What if, what if they, they do get the truth and they don't want to, you know, come into the United Pentecostal church or what if they, they become bigger or greater. And there was all of this fear position Mm. in so much that we did not get to go. And I'll never forget the words that that man spoke to me. When the Bishop called me after I sent him an email and said, Bishop, we're not allowed to come. I'm so sorry. Um, he said, He said, you know, I thought you all had the truth. He said, but now I'm convinced you don't. Because if you really had it, you would give it away freely. Mm. But you held it hostage. Wow. And those words have haunted me ever since. Mm. I don't want to ever miss another kingdom moment. I don't want to ever allow my fear to prevent me from walking in faith in the kingdom of God. Is everybody going to love what we love? No. Is everybody going to come online and do everything perfectly? No, but somebody will. Yeah. Somebody will. And so I cannot toss the baby out with the bathwater. I've got to just walk in faith somebody's going to abuse this and take advantage of this. And, and they're not going to, you know what, whatever. Yeah. If somebody does come online and somebody does love this message, that's worth every failure. Absolutely. I think that, you know, I'm a younger man uh, by comparison, not too much, (laughs) not too much. That that came out wrong. I haven't seen, uh, you know, some of the, the, the people walk away from truth to those circles that maybe some of our elders have. And I, and I understand that that can create some caution and, and some concern when people start associating with others. Um, but you know, I'm old enough to know that men like TF Tenney was known for building bridges rather than burning them and trying to reach across the wall. Right. Uh, in fact, at his at his funeral, a prominent yes, denominal voice that. said, "You know, this was a man. Yeah, um, the the anointing of Joseph or whatever that that Jacob spoke over his son. He would he yeah. was a, a a vine that reached over the wall. Yes, sir. That's right. Um, you know, and, that. I, and and I think that uh, I think his spirit, Brother Tenney's spirit, was right, and he was 
really doing something valuable for the kingdom. Yes, sir. God help us to to do more of that because yeah. I think we're we're going to need to have more of that to facilitate what yes, you've sir. been speaking about. Yes, sir. Because I think the the infrastructure, if I can say it that way, for revival with with pastors and congregations coming to truth, yes, sir, will be a a piece of what God wants to do. Would you agree? Oh. Hundred percent. Yeah, I believe it's church going to be entire and... churches. Yeah, I do believe it will be entire cities. I think. Remember, we have this. All of Asia heard yeah. the word statement, and yet then we have the promise of greater works than these. Why would we even think that in this hour there wouldn't be all of Asia moments? Mm. Amen. Why would we think? that we would have greater works than these in everything but harvest. Yeah. We got to start thinking cities, nations. You have to. Yeah. And I think until we do, we we won't see it. You've got to both think it and speak it. You've got to declare it. You've got to see the atmosphere. You've got to you've got to speak that which is not if it, as if it already is. You've got to you've got to walk in that faith and declare that faith and not just meditate on that faith. Sure. You know. Um, you know, we we've been going for a little over an hour now. I don't want to uh, keep you much longer. Um, you know, we were going to maybe talk about your crusades. I think that would have just been uh, icing on the cake. Yeah, icing on the cake. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna just gonna give you the last word, brother, brother Robinette. Uh, so appreciate your time today. So humbled. If if you wanted to share a story from one of those, you're welcome to. But um, I'll, I'll get you to leave our listeners with something you feel to say. If you feel to pray over them, whatever you feel to do, yes, the sir. last voice that they will hear is your voice today. Thanks again for being with us. I had this. Um, you know, we just came back from this crusade in Brazil four weeks ago where that Brazil saw the day of Pentecost for the very first time, Mm -hmm. the first outpouring of 3000 people getting the Holy ghost in one service. Now I'd like to just tell a little history. Um, You know, you had people like Benny DeMerchant, Bishop Stark's been going there for 18 years, training in the Bible school, training leaders, Benny DeMerchant, 50 years or whatever, a hero of the faith, seeding the atmosphere, speaking that which is not as if it already was. So anyhow, I'll get back to that in a minute. Um, At this crusade, on the last night of the crusade, the Lord told me, tonight we're going to have 3,000 get the Holy Ghost. Three hours before the service, the Lord spoke to me and said, but you're not going to speak the word of faith. Hmm. The Lord said, I want you to use Sister Amanda Leper, uh, a lady, uh, a home missions pastor's wife in Alexander, Arkansas. Hmm. So I, I, my wife and I go together to Sister Leper. I told her, Sister Leper, the Lord said, you're going to speak the word of faith tonight and 3000 are going to get the Holy ghost. Obviously she was nervous. Um, this was, I mean, a lot and even a lot more three hours before a service, you know? Um, but the Lord told me, he said, I'm going to send a message around the kingdom. He said, I'm going to let the world know that I can use anybody and everybody at any time. 
I don't need some popularity contest. I don't need some pedigree. I don't need somebody who's got this lineage of Pentecost. God said, I'm going to use everybody in my kingdom to do things that the apostles did. Amen. So we get on this platform that night, 12,000 people gathered, gathered in this crowd. Outpouring of the spirit was just extreme. And in less than a few moments of time, Sister Leper walks up, speaks the word of faith. And when she shouted, hallelujah, the spirit hit the building. 3,000 people got the Holy Ghost at once. I don't mean this in a derogatory sense because I love Sister Leper, a nobody Mm. from nowhere, no pedigree, no history of speaking the word of faith around our movement. But God said... I'm about to take my sons, my daughters, anybody who will say yes, Mm. and I will use them in ways they have only dreamed of being used. And so God uses this young woman. Well, I love her, great woman of God. We, after 3,000, get the Holy Ghost. They only had 3,000 pieces of paper, which is so funny. We had so many more get the Holy Ghost. I feel in my spirit that there were over 6,000 that got the Holy Ghost. We didn't count on Friday or Saturday. We only counted on one night. And then we only reported the conservative number that they documented. Wow. So there were well over that, probably close to 6,000. That was the number God spoke in my spirit is that there would be 6,000 over those three days, but 3,000 in one night. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm very confident that that's what happened. But... At the end of that outpouring, Bishop Reba Meyer and, and the new missionary, Brother Walmer, great man of God, love this man of God, come walking up to me. Everybody's weeping. We're all out of control, you know. And uh, Bishop Reba Meyer says, oh, Brother Robinette, if God could do this in a moment, we've got to rent the 44,000-seat stadium next year, and we're going to see 10,000 get the Holy Ghost in one service. Yes. He makes this statement So I looked at him and I said, if you really believe it, you'll speak it. I said, stand up in front of those 12,000 people and tell them what we're doing next year. He walks right to the pulpit, speaks it. Now, here's what I didn't know. Decades before, when they were just breaking ground on this stadium in Manaus, Mm -hmm. Bishop um, uh, Missionary De Merchant, Bishop De Merchant, walks to an open field full of garbage, briars, trucks getting ready to break ground and speaks to a nothing and said, one day we'll have church here. Mm. He seeded the atmosphere with that, which is not as if it already was. Then I remember 10 years ago, showing up to Brazil my first time and getting in the car with Brother Stark and driving past this stadium and Brother Stark rolling down his window and pointing out the window and saying, we're going to do a crusade there one day. Never even crossed my mind that the seed and the spoken word and the declarations of these heroes of the faith, my generation Mm -hmm. would get to be present and be there that my generation gets the benefit from the seed sown from elders and heroes of the faith from generations gone by. And so I would say to every listener right now, 
God's going to use you. If God could use Sister Leper to speak the word of faith when Brazil had its very first day of Pentecost, you better get ready. God will use you. God's going to anoint you, empower you, equip you, activate you, and release you in your cities and globally to see things that you have only dreamed of, that you've only heard people preach. You, you've heard the testimonies and you've thought, I can never get there. God said, I have changed the rules in this hour, and I'm going to bring the prodigals home. I'm going to bring my people online, and my army is going to see billions added to the church before the sound of the trumpet. So I challenge you, get ready, start speaking it. Don't just say it, but do it. Get out and stand on a branch and watch how God causes it to bloom. You're going to see it with your own eyes. Amen. Brother Robinette, would you just take a moment? Would you just pray over everybody? We may or may not. I think we'll include this. Just say a word of prayer over everyone listening today. By the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Ghost that I feel even in this meeting right now, I released the gift of faith upon every single listener and viewer. I released the gifts of healing. I released the working of miracles. I released boldness. I release to you the ability and the permission to do kingdom things and kingdom work in this last and greatest hour of the church. I release you to step into the supernatural. I release your mind and your heart to see the vision for billions become a reality both locally and globally. In the name of Jesus, I I challenge you to operate and activate right now. Step out on the limb in the name of Jesus God is going to use you in Jesus name thank you Jesus thank you Jesus hallelujah hallelujah <laughs> Oh, Yamondo Lolo, Boshatala Basata. I feel the Lord impressing in my spirit just to say, He has set before you an open door that no man can shut. All you have to do is walk through the open door right now. There are no limitations to how God is going to use you in this hour. Thanks again for tuning in to The Conversation. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to rate and review this podcast, share this episode with a friend, and subscribe for future content. This podcast is produced by Capital Community Church in Fredericton, New Brunswick. If you're in the area, we would love to have you for one of our weekly services. For service times and more information, please check out capitalcommunity.ca. We look forward to seeing you again next month on The Conversation.
Thank you so much for listening to the Apostolic Mentoring Podcast with Charles Robinette. We hope that you will tune in next week. Purchase our new book, Radically Apostolic, available on Amazon in English, German, Spanish, French, and Portuguese. See you on the next episode of Apostolic Mentoring.